Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Why is Bitcoin at an all-time high and where does the price of Bitcoin go from here? Let's check out Bitcoin right at this moment. It is going at 57,212 US dollars. Ripple going at about 45 US cents. Ethereum, $1,772. Dogecoin at about 5 cents. 0.05586 of a dollar. So is it too late to start investing in crypto? Have you missed the boat? Are digital assets good investments? How do you start investing in them? How do you buy a Bitcoin, for example? Bitcoins have certainly entered into mainstream conversations, right? No doubt helped by institutional players jumping into the game. Tesla's recent $1.5 billion purchase, for example, grabs headlines and popular attention and makes investors sit up. You hear talk of cryptocurrencies or altcoins. When I'm at casual dinner conversation, it comes up all the time. I see it on blogs. It comes up in my YouTube feed. I've even just got a pitch from a company. Uh, here in Singapore, that allows you to pay for things with Bitcoin. I'm not sure if I want to pay for my cup of coffee with Bitcoin, though, any part of Bitcoin. So, But the big question is, should you invest? So, you know, on this show, we've discussed two aspects of cryptocurrencies, just how useful they are as an instrument of exchange, given volatility and costs and speed of transaction. But we've also debated if the move to digital forms of currencies is inevitable and how states could potentially respond. Just yesterday, we looked at India's possible ban on crypto ownership, right? Mining and trading as well. Today, we're going to take a look at cryptocurrency from an investor's perspective. I'm delighted to welcome back CEO of Provident, Christopher Tan. Good morning, Christopher. Hey, hi, morning, Michelle. It's good to be back. Good to have you here. So why do you think so many people are talking about cryptocurrency recently? Do you think uh, there's renewed interest? Yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, uh, Michelle, I mean, People are talking about it because the price has gone up. And you know, when I checked it last Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, it has gone past sixty thousand dollars. And then now you just reported it's come back down to fifty-seven thousand. Um, if you look at the bit, uh, Bitcoin price chart, really the sharp rise came in really the last uh, twelve months. Well. I think should we invest in cryptocurrency? I think to understand this or to answer this, we first have to understand what cryptocurrency is all about in the context of money. Yeah, but well, you have said it as well. You know, in February, when Elon Musk announced that they have bought $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin, people just went crazy. <laughs> the market went up by 20% to, I believe, if I remember correctly, about 44000 over dollars. So that's why, I mean, people are starting to talk about a Bitcoin because people are expecting more people to accept it. Mm, expectations of acceptance. I like that. All right, let's come to that question of what is cryptocurrency? People hear of altcoins or they hear of Dogecoin. Uh, basically, a digital asset that we're exchanging real money for. Help us understand what cryptocurrency is. Mm, well, you know, this is really, uh, I have to say, I, I cannot say that I understand it completely. It's really complex. And when I was studying it deeply, I realized that crypto, you know, really is not just finance. It's actually computer engineering. It's computer science. But, uh, well, simply put, it is just a form of money. To understand it better, I think we need to understand a little bit about money and its history. You know, at Provident, we always say that it's an enabler, money. But to enable, to for, for money to be an enabler, it needs to fulfill three fundamental roles. 
Firstly, it must be a store of value, a medium of exchange. Secondly, and last but not least, a unit of account. Today, when we look at money, it's actually a store of value stored in a physical form through notes and coins. But if we think about it, strictly speaking, these notes and coins, they don't have value. It is what people collectively agree, and we believe in the government to say that that has value, that gives money value. So to really, really test out whether money is of a good value, there are actually six characteristics. And this six characteristics I would like listeners to take now because later on we're going to use this six characteristics to judge whether crypto is a good form of money. So firstly, durability, not easily destroyed. Secondly, portability, can be carried around. Thirdly, divisibility, easy to divide it into smaller units. Fourthly, fungibility, that means if you take $10 of this same currency, you can exchange it with $10 of the same one. Acceptability, that's key, whether it can be universally accepted to buy things. And last but not least, scarcity. That means it cannot be easily reproduced. And a good form of money must have all six. And you know, Michelle, if you go and look at history, right? I mean, people use all sorts of things for money, from shells to stones. Rocks on the rocks, ground. Rocks, you know. And then, of course, we tried. You know, the world tried metallic money. Iron, copper, silver, gold, you know, and all that. But today, it's really just cash. And of course, the latest crypto is just a form of digital money. It's a kind of storage of value. And the originator of all these crypto, they're just trying to get the world to accept it. And if they can't get the world to accept it, then you see the prices going up. Mm, important points. I wonder if you can just clarify first what fungibility is again, because we hear about NFTs all the time and the word fungible is in that acronym. Uh, right. How do you define it? Yeah, so as an example, right? So let's say today, Michelle, you use, say, shells or snail shells mm. as a form of uh, money, Right. Now, if you use this nail shell and let's say you think this nail shell is worth $10, now if you're going to give it to me in exchange for another nail shell of $10, I must be able to find the shell of the same size to give you back so that it's 10 but it goes to 10 Now, that's very important because otherwise today we'll fight, right? Because if you give me a big shell and you say, this, I want to buy this $10 thing and this is worth $10, then I'm going to give you a smaller shell and say, yeah, yeah, my shell is also worth $10. And you're not going to be very happy because my shell is a smaller shell, right? But fungibility means that if I use $10 today, if you use a Singapore dollar, $10, and you give it to me and I give you back $10, both of us must believe that Yes, you are getting you are getting a fair exchange. Okay, so we're talking about parity or equal value between equal the value. assets. That's right. Got it, got it. So when I started, you know, I told people about the prices at which Bitcoin was trading, Ripple was trading, Ethereum was trading, even mm. Dogecoin this morning. Mm. Um, there are many different types. We also hear about altcoins. So how many types of cryptocurrency are there? Well, almost impossible to count. Right now, I think the world, I mean, last I last checked some weeks back, it was like about 7,000 over. I mean, it might, it might have gone up to close to 8,000. I don't even know. But generally speaking, cryptocurrencies can be divided into three main categories. You named some of them actually just now. Bitcoin is the first category. Mm. Bitcoin is the mother of all crypto because, well, it all started more than 10 years ago when this guy called Satoshi Nakamoto, not his real name. We don't know whether it's a group of people or just one person. He actually wrote a paper and he started this Bitcoin and that's one big category. Anything other than Bitcoin, second category is called altcoin, alternative, right, to Bitcoin. And of course, then we have tokens. So out of these three big categories, the world now has probably close to 8,000. But of course, we only hear the more popular ones, uh, which you have named it. Uh, Michelle, it seems to know it. Maybe you have bought some. <laughs> but it's like Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, uh, Litecoin, you know, and all that. 
I'll tell you this, 2012, I had a guest on my show sitting across me talking about his book on Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. really? Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Oh, what a waste. $200 a Bitcoin. Thing. You should have bought it and you're now a billionaire. I didn't say I didn't buy it. <laughs> uh, well, All right. it's always mm. hindsight, hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so many different types of cryptocurrency. Now, you mentioned tokens very briefly because, you know, there are people who uh, find there is a new token being born every day. What is a token? How is it different from uh, crypto? Actually, I, I, to be honest about it, I don't really understand tokens. Okay, it's, like it's like a mm. D-app. It's like a distributed finance, distributed application. Uh, yeah, I, I can't say that I know it. I mean, I know a bit more about Bitcoin or coin, but okay. I know that token, example of to, a token is like a, a D-app. Okay, okay. We'll get an expert on that. Uh, it is a specialized area, I have to say. All right, tell us how Bitcoin works then. Do you know? Uh, okay, it's tough. In fact, I was studying Bitcoin. I, I'll tell you, I mean, disclaimer, I have not invested any crypto. Mm. I'm not anti. I would want to buy some. And so I went deep into study. And, and in, in fact, I took a course. And so I'm going to try and explain to everyone as simple as possible. But forgive me if it's overly simplified. Now, so the name Bitcoin actually is misleading because when we have one Bitcoin, we don't actually own a digital coin per se. What we actually own, imagine it, is like a computer file that acts like a private ledger that records every transaction. So imagine that we have this entire Bitcoin network that uh, we are all in, and there are just three players, three parties, right? So Peter, Susan, and Andrew, let's call them. And they all have a wallet that starts with an empty private ledger. So nobody has any money. And so Peter then buys a Bitcoin, say, at 100 bucks, okay? And there will be somehow on this computer network an announcement that says Peter now has got 100 bucks. And everyone, Peter, Susan, Andrew Ledger, will automatically record this transaction. Mm -hmm. Of course, only Peter's wallet will show that he has 100 bucks. But the transaction has been recorded on everyone's ledger. So let's say Peter sends this $100 to Susan to buy a watch from her, let's say. Again, an announcement will be made on the network and everyone's ledger again will automatically update this transaction. But now, of course, only Susan Wallet will show the $100 because Peter has transferred it to Susan. And say, lastly, subsequently, if Susan then send this $100 to Andrew, say to buy, say maybe two books, you know, another announcement will be made on the network and then all the ledger will update this transaction again. And the key thing about all this transaction is how do you make sure, right, that well, it is genuine because imagine you are in a, in, in a big space and you hear all this announcement. How do you know really that, oh, Peter did send some money to Susan? Every transaction must be digitally signed by the sender. And I'm not going to go into a technical because there's this thing called a private key and a public key. But basically, that's how Bitcoin works. So Bitcoin is not really a coin. It is like a ledger or it is like, you know, um, a, a computer file that behaves like a ledger. So that's Bitcoin in general. Very clear. I don't envy you having to translate all that for us. Uh, it's tough, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> okay, so people often hear of acronyms DLT, a digital ledger associated with Bitcoin and all mm. this immutability resting mm. on the idea of a blockchain. Do we mm. need to understand blockchain as investors if we're, we're studying cryptocurrency? 
Well, you don't really have to understand the technicality, but I think the more interesting thing about cryptocurrency is not really Bitcoin, because Bitcoin is just one of the many cryptos. Actually, what people are more interested in is in the power of blockchain. So let me try and again explain blockchain and latching on what I've explained just now about Bitcoin. Well, if you remember, Michelle, I just shared how everyone in the network, uh, they are supposed to update their private ledger when a transaction is being announced, right? Mm -hmm. But how do, we, how do we ensure that everyone in the network will pay attention? and they will obediently and faithfully and correctly update their private ledger. I mean, we can't trust people to just update their ledger, right? Mm -hmm. Well, this is where what I call checkers come in. So imagine this, when an announcement of the transaction is made, mm -hmm. the, checkers, the checkers will then organize all these transactions into blocks of data, blocks of transactions. And these blocks of transactions are then chained together. You know, imagine like a necklace chained together. So blocks of transaction, because there are plenty of transactions going around, mm. right? So they organize it into blocks and they chain it together. And then they use something called this uh, protocol called cryptographic protocol. The checker will then check all this blockchain mm. and make sure it's correct. And the first one that finds the correct chain, they will announce it to the user and everyone... In, in this case, Peter, Susan, Andrew, they will update their own private ledger based on this correct blockchain. So the blockchain sometimes is called the public ledger, where the private ledgers take reference form. Right. And I use the word checker. Mm -hmm. They are actually called block creators, also known as miners. Mm -hmm. And they can't do work for free for doing all this checking. So each time one miner check the correct, well, ledger and they announced it, they get rewarded with some fee in the form of Bitcoins. So now a new Bitcoin get mined. So that's a blockchain. It's a very secure way and it's very interesting, complex, but the whole thing about crypto is more on blockchain rather than the actual cryptocurrency. Okay. Ten years ago, I think if you bought cryptocurrency, it wasn't as straightforward. These days, there are platforms you can log on to. You can go on to, um, you know, Moomoo or um, you can log on to eToro. You can buy bits of Bitcoin. But back then, you had to have a wallet. Some people lost the passwords to their wallet and then yeah. lost access to their Bitcoins. Yeah. So when it comes down to the question, should I invest in cryptocurrency? What are your considerations? What should some of ours be? Yeah, so as I said earlier uh, at the beginning of the program, I gave six characteristics that we should use to check against crypto, right? So because if we look at history, the how the different forms of money have failed mm. due to the lack or maybe even many of these six characteristics of a good form of money. So let's look at crypto uh, specifically. Let's maybe look at Bitcoin. Now, the biggest problem with crypto is the lack of acceptability, at least for now. Now, while of course, you know, we have also discussed earlier, there have been increasing number of corporations accepting Bitcoin, Tesla being one of them, but there are quite a few. Uh, Microsoft, not here, but Microsoft in uh, US. We have AT&T in US. We even have Burger King in Venezuela and Germany and Kentucky Fried Chicken in Canada. You know, and there are more. Actually, if you go and Google, you'll find a lot more companies accepting Bitcoin. But that is still a very small proportion. Many still did not. And you have said it also. Some countries like India, they are even proposing that you cannot even hold Bitcoin. You cannot even transact crypto, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. The day may come when cryptocurrency will be accepted. But the problem is no one knows when and whether it would be Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, etc. 
So I think before we decide on whether we should invest in crypto, we need to ask ourselves whether our overall plan, well, um, we need this kind of return that crypto may give. Mm -hmm. If we don't need, then maybe we don't have to put so much in crypto. Mm -hmm. Then the next question is, well, can you take this kind of risk? Mm. Because we don't know when it will be rightly accepted and what type of crypto specifically will be accepted. Can we afford to wait? And if it does not happen, can we afford to lose the money? And finally, we want to ask ourselves whether we can sleep in peace if we invest a large part of our money. So use these six criteria to decide for yourself whether you think that it's going to be the future. But ask yourself that three questions as well. Need to take risk, ability, willingness to take risk before you venture into crypto. Okay, so maybe they've thought through those six excellent questions and they think, I want to put 1% of my portfolio into cryptocurrencies because I don't want to miss the boat. I see Bitcoin is now at 57,000, it's down 0.16%. Who knows, it could go up mm. to 100,000. Yep. It could go up to 200,000. So they want to jump on. How do they invest in crypto? Currency. I've had a lot of people saying, hey, I see these ATMs that sell uh, Bitcoin in some malls mm. in Singapore, Michelle. Yeah. Are those trustworthy? How do I invest? Yeah, so you can actually do that. There are some sort of like a crypto ATM in some malls, not many. But I suppose the easiest way to buy crypto in Singapore is to open an account with a crypto exchange, a cryptocurrency exchange, much like if you want to buy stocks and shares, you have to have an account with the Singapore Stock Exchange, right, SGX. So the crypto exchange, there are about eight exchanges that we can use in Singapore to buy crypto. I'll name some. Binance, one of the more popular ones, because uh, Binance, you can actually buy crypto using Sing dollars. So that's very convenient, right? Then you have Btrax. One of the biggest exchange, very popular, is Coinbase. But the problem with Coinbase is that you have to do a bit of uh, FX because you have to buy it with US dollars. Mm -hmm. And then it's a very, okay, there's another one. I'm sure you remember this one because mm -hmm. it's easy to remember. It's called CoinMama. <laughs> so that's another exchange. Uh, a local setup, Gemini. I think they came out on TV yesterday. Mm -hmm. So these are some of them. But it's not just enough to buy it over the exchange. You can Okay, but uh, I mean, experts have suggested that if you just buy a crypto and you leave it in the custody of the exchange, yeah. the chance of it being hacked is pretty high because if I'm a hacker, I want to hack Binance, for example, because I know there are a lot of crypto being stored there. So we are often advised that we should set up a wallet for ourselves, right? And there are some wallets in Singapore that we can use like Argent, A-R-G-E-N-T, I mm am -hmm. token. No, I, it's really the letter I, letter M, token. There's also my crypto. Now, why do we want to set up this wallet? Now, this is an online wallet because when you set up a wallet, you are literally going to the exchange and say, hey, guys, I bought one Bitcoin through you. I know it's with you now. I want it to transfer to my own wallet and it is protected by your own private key. So, well, chances of it being hacked is lower. But again, you said it just now, Michelle, if you lose your private key, it is the end. Okay, there is no way you're gonna get it back. Yeah, there is. All, there are also some people who actually they use a physical. Key. It's like a thumb drive, you know, that you store in it. But again, if you lose it, it's the end. Good luck to you. But all these exchanges will transfer your Bitcoin out to your wallet. Yes, they will. Yeah, that's the that's the whole idea of the wallet because you are when you when you get a wallet you are trying to tell the exchange I don't trust you I'm afraid mm. you'll be hacked mm. so I want it uh, in my own wallet so they will then transfer it into your wallet. Oh, one more thing mm. now when which is what I experienced myself when I open an account with say for example Binance mm. in Singapore you know all this anti money laundering you know and all that you have to open another account which is like a payment solutions account it's called the Xfer account. 
XFER account, right? And this XFER account, well, they they actually call you to do they actually called me to do due diligence, you know. They they asked me all those things, all those questions before they were even an open an account for you. So in Singapore, you do need to open an XFER account. What's the XFER account again for? It's a it's a payment solution. They act like a middleman to transfer money from your bank uh-huh. into your wallet so that you can actually buy directly using your wallet uh, all these coins that you want to buy. Uh, buy directly from your wallet you instead can do of that. buying from an exchange. That's right, that's right. Once you have a wallet, you can actually buy direct from a wallet. Okay, got it. Now, um, I like to open accounts with all sorts of different platforms because I want to test how they work. Mm. And I see that some platforms, you, you type in Bitcoin and what comes up instead is an option to buy BitCash. Right, right, So I want right. to ask you, is there a difference between Bitcoin and BitCash? There is, actually. I know it sounds the same and that's mm. because the people who created BitCash are the you know, Bitcoin miners and developers whom somehow they weren't very happy about uh, Bitcoin because, um, you know, for Bitcoin, for each transaction to happen, I understand that they can do about seven, seven transactions like in one second and in the digital world, that's considered slow. And because of that, the the, these miners and developers, they are quite concerned of about Bitcoin, whether it can scale effectively. So it's like they came out, right, and then they created another crypto called BitCash, uh, sometimes known as Bitcoin Cash. It is just another crypto, but then it has been done in such a way whereby the transaction processing time is a lot faster. I'm, again, I don't want to go into the technical because it's like one Bitcoin, you can do uh, a transaction worth up to one megabyte. But for Bitcash, I think you can now do a transaction that goes up to 32 megabyte or something. So a lot more get transacted. So it is just an, another currency, um, but not really a Bitcoin. So therefore, when I hear the price of Bitcoin has gone up to 57000 but if I bought Bitcash... It's a different pricing. It's completely different, right? It's a different pricing, Even yes. though the ticker might look suspiciously similar. So you need to know what you're buying. Yes, one is BTC and the other one is BCH, I think. Yes, correct. That's right. Hmm. Correct, similar. Uh, okay, so here's a big question. For now, I know you've taken a course, so you're clearly interested, but hmm. where do you think cryptocurrency should sit in our overall investment portfolio? Yeah, so let's I send the wrong signal and said, oh, CEO of Provident has changed his investment philosophy. <laughs> he is going to move everything into crypto. No, I'm just very interested in crypto. I'm not anti, but well, I think my, and this is what I do for myself, right? And so my advice to others is we should first build our core portfolios using instruments that are proven by evidence to give us the returns that we need. Things like equities, things like bonds. I mean, these are boring the returns you cannot like get it so high as like crypto but they are evidence-based well your core portfolio should still be made by this kind of instrument after you have done that and if you wish to put some money into crypto i do believe it is the future but i do not know in what form Mm. i do not know when it's going to be happen it's going to happen now this approach that i'm suggesting it will not make you become crazy rich agents for sure <laughs> but you won't be poor either right because if you if you buy the wrong one and it doesn't happen then you will lose all your money so this approach will certainly give you enough and with peace of mind to live the life you want and if the crypto that you buy happens to you know 
become the accepted one, then well, great. It's like you have strike lottery. Then it's, it's good for you. But you know, I, I personally have taken a, a course. I'm still going through a course. Mm. I am just... I just want to encourage people, if you are really interested in crypto, study it. Mm. You know, don't just buy it and, and people say, oh, Bitcoin is their thing, Litecoin is their thing, oh, the next is Ethereum, it's a smart contract, you know, and all that. Don't just do that. Study it, understand it before investing. Well, thank you for sharing your learnings with us, Chris. Really appreciate it. You're most welcome, Michelle. He's Christopher Tan, CEO of Provident, with us here on Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.